Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, Drive Time Lincoln, Thursday, July 7th. I am your host, Jack Riggins. Johnny, I just recognize that every time we say this on the show, the opening has already said it's me, but I guess professional radio people say I still have to introduce myself. Johnny that's Cadillac a, is a, producing. That's the courteous thing to do. I do okay. the same thing. But. So double introduce myself, even though the pre-recorded well, audio You're only introducing me. yourself once, so it's still <laughs> fine. Otherwise, you know, one of those days that Doug Fitzgerald fills in that's for you, true. and I mean, he comes on and he introduces himself, and it's a good thing, because then... We wouldn't want somebody assuming he's Commander Jack Riggins. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. We wouldn't want somebody hijacking the show. Um, we've got an exciting show for you. It depends on how the host does, uh, how long we get to talk to the guests, maybe. Uh, but we've been focusing a lot on local issues and obviously some statewide issues, you know, yesterday with the NEGOP. But I'm actually very excited to welcome Senator Deb Fisher back to Drive Time Lincoln. Hi, Jack Rickens. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> You're, it's perfect timing for a good drive time, Lincoln, kind of get up to the strategic level. Um, things you have been involved in nationally and in Washington and, and bring it back home to Nebraska. Because I have to admit, I feel like at least locally here in Lincoln and statewide, currently it's been like a knife fight. So I was like, this is great. We get to talk about big issues on the big stage. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, it's uh, it's always good to have those conversations locally, too. I um, I hear parts of your show. I, I like to tune in and listen to it. So, um, you know, anytime you can have um, honest conversations about things, that's uh, that's what is important here. But um, yeah, good to be back. Lots, uh, a whole lot, to lots talk going about. on. You bet. You bet. Uh, let, let's start with the big one. Um, it's not really that controversial, but I have to admit, I was surprised to hear the president of the United States in the last week before the Fourth of July talk about fuel prices and small business gasoline pump owners on the national stage, given all we've been through with inflation and fuel prices, for him to kind of, in a sense, call out local businesses that are working, you know, in the fuel industry. Yeah, it's a total uh, disconnect by the president. You know, first he blames uh, high energy costs, high gas prices on Putin. You know, it's Putin's gas hike. Uh, then he then he blames oil companies, you know, those dirty oil companies, big corporations. They're the cause of it. Then he goes after uh, gas stations, gas station owners who are, you know, <laughs> trying to make payroll and pay taxes and and uh, maybe give themselves a paycheck every now and then, too. It, it's it's a total disconnect. What I did like to see on that, though is um these folks are fighting back. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not they're not going to put up with it and just sit there and go, "Oh, hmm, okay, he's wrong on that, but uh we'll let it go." It's, yeah. you know, it was it was nice to hear him go, "Wait a minute, Mr. President. You know, that's not how it works." Yeah, it, and what's interesting is I had a visual because and I know larger corporations across the nation, you know, are coming into gas stations. But traditionally, gas stations were mom-and-pop organizations. And if any state still has a lot of those, it's Nebraska. I mean, there is still service pump places right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. You know, and that was always an enjoyment going to those stations because a lot of those people had been there for years. You could trust them, work on your car. The service is great, a little, you know, local talk. And I thought... How dare the President of the United States go after 
about every and every everyday Americans yeah. like that. You know, it'll probably um, be somebody else that um, that the president goes after in the next few days. It's it's upsetting, you know. And I don't. I imagine you heard his remarks on Fourth mm-hmm. of July. Uh, you know what a downer. Uh, I I would like to hear a president on the Fourth of July uh, be inspiring, uh, lift our spirits, uh, tell us there are brighter days ahead. Uh, that's that's part of his job. As, well, it's part as of leadership. It's, <laughs> to it, give hope. it shows a leader. It shows a leader to be able to inspire people, but but also it shows a leader to accept some responsibility and mm-hmm. say, you know. Um, I I understand what what you folks are going through. Yeah, I understand that inflation is eating up a paycheck. Uh, the costs you see at the gas station, the costs in the grocery store, uh, your energy costs, your mortgage rates. What we're watching with mortgage rates is for for a president to be able to go, you know, like a Bill Clinton. I share your pain. You mm-hmm. know, I that's important that that you can empathize with that and at least acknowledge it and. He, for whatever reason, uh, President Biden refuses to do that. You know, it's funny you bring up Bill Clinton. Uh, clearly, I'm not a supporter of his politics, but I will say this. I study leadership all over the place, and there's great leaders. He's a great orator, and you're absolutely right. He was a master, and he still is a master of uh, communication and speech um, to make everyone feel that they've been understood. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And certainly, there does seem to be a... I would say for me, Washington has felt like it's gotten cold, like just a little bit, at least out of the White House, a little disconnected, uh, maybe a lot disconnected. And, um, you know, I don't know who they're looking after, so to speak, in some of their decisions. Let's move to a favorite topic of mine to a degree, not war, but um, the struggle in Ukraine and your trip um, with bipartisan for a NATO summit. Would I call it that? Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. Um, and how was that experience and what was learned? Uh, what's the future look like? There were there were five Republicans and three Democrats um, that were representing the United States Senate. We were a delegation. We went to Finland day and also Sweden and those are the two countries who have um, applied for uh, acceptance into NATO so to be able to meet with their prime minister uh, some parliamentarians president uh, and have discussions I think was very helpful and to understand uh, and they made it very clear that they were going to go in together okay they have um, Obviously, been neutral for mm-hmm. for years and years. That's been their history, and they also uh, share a border together. They have interests together, and Turkey at the time was kind of putting some roadblocks out there, especially with regards to the Swedes, and and uh, their position on the Kurds mm-hmm. was was the deal there. But uh, to have that, um, I guess explained in greater detail to us to have an understanding of that 800 mile border that the Finns have with Russia their um, relationship with Russia over the years how the how the uh, government probably knows more about uh, Putin than any other mm-hmm. country uh, that that was fascinating to hear they both bring a lot to NATO uh, Finland has continued to build up their military. 
the Swedes have um, a military industrial complex. They they build things. They build submarines, for example. So they're when they join, they're going to be uh, contributing members from mm-hmm. day one. Uh, that also helps in that region of the world with the Baltics, where they're, they are going to be able to be countries that can uh, help Estonia and Latvia and Lithuania if who do picture the Russians coming across their borders and tanks. Yeah. So having, having that um, uh, broadening of NATO members, especially in that region, I think is, um, is good for peace in the area. Yeah, I'm surprised that... Um Especially Finland, um, it hadn't happened sooner um, to a degree. But I also understand, you know, there's been pressure from Russia back in the day and then Sweden's neutrality and some of them. But um, I know I did some training up there with their special forces, both. Um, They're the best in the Arctic. Um, Long term, it's a great alliance for um, potential Arctic resources and things up there um, that oftentimes I think in America we forget that, you know, Russia is so large that I would say it encircles one third of the North Pole almost. Um, you know, folks, the world gets smaller, if you will, as we go up, right? <laughs> true, Not like true. the equator. Um, and so there, I, it's nice to hear because oftentimes uh, American citizens maybe complain about the NATO alliance because of how much we're giving. But there are partners out there that not only have been stepping up, but here you have two that can come in right away and be contributing members. Yeah, definitely. You know, they have icebreakers, which mm-hmm. in the United States we have one. Uh, I think the Russians in the Arctic right now, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think they have like a dozen uh, so it's, yes, it's helpful to have, um, a military alliance mm-hmm. where you can depend upon your allies to, to cover certain areas. You know, we don't, we don't want to send our men and women, uh, to every place in the world. Right. Uh, that's, that's a danger to us. And obviously it's been shown that Russia's a danger to us. So to have that coverage, as you said, up in the Arctic especially is uh, important as well. Well, and they, by by all accounts, I mean, they're probably the world experts in alpine-type operations, um, sea operations in the north, as you said. And um, I don't know exactly, but I know the good old United States Navy, a lot of studies, because ice has been breaking up there, and so there's sea passages starting to open up, um, I would suspect, in the next 10 to 50 years, there will be new transit routes. And so you want to be able to keep commerce and, and seagoing vessels. And, you know, we and all Western nations have a huge interest in that. So that's kind of exciting. Not to mention, I think it's Sweden, who's literally one of the masters of underground tunneling systems and has built in case of a catastrophic war, if Russia were to invade, the ability to house hundreds of thousands of their citizens. Um, don't quote me on that. It's one of them, though. We're it's, doing a lot of don't quote me on that. Are we? <laughs> but, no. Are no. we? We I, probably well, I so, did one. No, I, I get, didn't. I did, did not you do know one? That. I did one. Oh, yeah, well, I, I, get confu- <laughs> I get confused with things I've seen in the military and whether I'm supposed to talk about them I know, or not that's, sometimes. A lot of times, you know, I'll pause. <laughs> right. And I, and I try to remember quickly where I heard it. Was it in classified or, you know, a public setting? So you don't, you know, right. you do not yeah, want you, And you're and still you're, living that. Well, but you're in the same position as well. Well, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, somebody asked me about uh, non-disclosure agreements the other day, and I said, well, you know, it started out, they were 20 years, but by the end, they added another 20 years. And so I said, 
you know, it is what it is. It's interesting stuff. Yeah. Overall, it sounds like, though, the trip was very educational. And um, as far as Finland and Sweden go, you know, good potential alliance partners. Yeah, definitely. You know, and then we we were able to have meetings um, with, well, the ambassador from Japan came. Even though they're not a member mm-hmm. of NATO, uh, they understand the importance of the alliance. They want to have a friendly relationship with the alliance uh, because they see the movement of Russia. They see the movement uh, from the Chinese as well. They're very worried about what's going on in the Pacific mm-hmm. um, militarily and economically. Uh, we met with the Foreign Secretary of the UK, the German Chancellor, um, Romania, Bosnia, uh, any any number of countries to have meetings, and it, um, you know, they're we're there representing um, the Senate of the United States, and to be able to uh, hear what they have to say, and just just by our presence. Um, to reinforce good relationships with those countries in this um, in this time that we are in right now, I think is extremely important. Well, and I have to guess, not on the international stage anymore, but I have to guess that there's lots of Americans that seem confused with Washington, D.C., mainly White House decisions and maybe some other, you know, I think there's a lot of Americans upset over the January 6th kind of trial and and just different stuff, inflation. But our allies are probably a little confused as well um, with the messaging out of Washington. I I think we have to um, be a United States, be a united uh, front in our messaging. And that's why I think it's important that we have Republicans present, mm-hmm. even though it's a Democrat administration, it's we have to have Republicans present to show that we all make make up these decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a fifty fifty Senate, uh, and that's there's a reason there's a fifty fifty Senate because the country's fifty fifty, right? And I want to make sure that that our voice, a conservative voice, is heard as well. Sure. But but again, um, we don't bicker when when we're on these uh, when we're on these missions. Uh, we want to be able to gather facts and and present our viewpoints uh, in a rational way to to our allies that we meet with. Uh, but without um, without without causing a lot of disruption in international affairs, sure, too. I mean, sure. you have you have to be careful on what you do say. But um, yeah, it's it, we need we need to uh, show a conservative uh, viewpoint here because that's um, that's half the country. Yeah, and it's I think it's great for you know you to go because I think as you know Nebraskans and you in particular. Uh, represent a, a lot of values across the nation, even though we're a small state, um, not just in conservative, but the way we carry ourselves. And and it's probably easy um, as someone uh, internationally because of social media and mass media to, to look inside of America and think, oh, my God, you know, they're airing their dirty laundry everywhere. And I agree with you 100 percent as you go forward, you know, United Front as the United States. And uh, and we have diverse people with diverse things, but make no mistake about it. You know, we're united in what we're talking about and the things. We're yeah, we are do. united in our security. We are united in our defense. We're united in our support of our military. And 
Nobody should ever question that. Yeah. Speaking of military, uh, Ukraine continuing to go on. It, it appears uh, a little bit of a stalemate, um, so to speak. But are the Ukrainians kind of getting what they need? Is there anything else America can do? Or are we doing too much because we're spending money? I mean, where is... Listen, I'm going to say for the record, I'm about keeping it a regional conflict. And regional conflicts sometimes cost money, opposed to necessarily deploying your military and all the stuff that goes there. I don't know the right answer other than I want it to stay a regional conflict. And and so um, there have been a lot of people that sometimes get upset when they see the price tags, knowing we have some issues still back at home. And I agree with that. You know, I get upset when I see the price tag. My comments are always, you know, it's it's important that we keep it regional. Mm-hmm. We do not want to send our young men and women into into another war. Right. But we all have to realize the path we're on right now, this can last for years and years mm-hmm. and years and years. And I do not want the United States out there in front. I want us to be a leader, but I do not want us out there in front, in front where we turn around and we don't have anybody behind us. Right. We, and that was one of my messages when we met with these other governments. It was that you need to buy into this. This is taking place in your backyard. Yeah. You need to be there. We cannot continue to, to supply all the needs mm-hmm. and backfill what you have given. It, um, it is necessary that we keep this in Ukraine and it doesn't spread. But we better have have other countries with us because we are not going to step up and pay it all. Yeah. No, and that's smart. I mean, if you think about it, uh, really aid and money and importance of support should really work from borders on back. And then, you know, the United States kind of being the, the big the big person that can help out, but uh, and certainly in strategic leadership, no doubt about it. Uh, we're on with Senator Deb Fisher, 1499 3 KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, we're on with uh, Senator Deb Fisher right now. Um, we've kind of covered mainly outside of America, but that's okay because we don't get to talk about that a lot. And uh, we're going to continue on and maybe talk some more internal um, United States and and let me ask you, start there, because I'd like to bring it home to Nebraska if you're willing to give us more time. You bet. Um, you didn't You didn't mess up. You're okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'd you be passed left the in the test. Yeah, I'd, you passed well, the test. Well, I'd be left in the studio by myself, and sometimes <laughs> no, no, the listeners would be upset. This is uh, good. Challenges right now um, in the Senate and with policies that are internal to America, some of the fights we're hearing, I mean, you have the... I'll call it five meter target of inflation, but that doesn't mean that longer issues haven't gone on. I mean, it's easy to tie oil and gas to, you know, not being energy independent. But what are some of the the hot button issues right now being discussed? I think what we're um, looking at, first of all, and this goes back to defense, um, the Senate Armed Services Committee was able to pass out the National Defense Authorization Act, uh, which is uh, Bipartisan bill, it passed with only three no votes in committee, and this is a bill that will pass sometime this year. Mm-hmm. It, we we do it every year, and that that's important for people to know. Again, it's national defense, national security, and where we can come together. 
Uh, you're going to you're going to see probably pretty pretty strict partisan splits when it comes to uh, the Democrats and if they're trying to do another reconciliation on a similar Build Back Better, where they're going to look at tax increases and then spending increases. Okay. Uh, that will be, I think, pretty difficult to have any kind of Republican vote on that. Mm -hmm. We aren't in the discussions at all. Okay, so we'll come back to some more of the hot-button issues up in Washington with Senator Deb Fisher here on Drive Time Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Drive Time Lincoln with the Commander Jack Riggins on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, uh, we're back. Second segment. Uh, we earned bonus time with Senator Deb Fisher. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna. Johnny and I are happy about that. Actually, we're an extra innings. Yeah, we're an extra <laughs> innings. <laughs> uh, Senator, as always, thank you for coming in and and in your time. Um, let me go back. We had talked a lot about international stuff in the first segment, and we were just getting into some of the. Uh, you talked about the NDA, and uh, did I say NDA or the National Defense Authorization Act? Mm -hmm. Um, used to have to read that every every year. And were you around when there was sequestration? Yeah, I came in after it was implemented. I came okay. in in 2013. Okay, and um, we had to deal with it. Yes, every year. So yes. then you would do like Milcon. Yes. and things. So yes, you're familiar with. Oh all gosh, that. Yeah. The, one of the most frustrating times in American history when uh, the government can't settle on uh, on giving you your money. I thought, you know. <laughs> Sequestration, I've, I thought, why would you pass something that you hated with the idea that it'll never take effect? Right. Why don't you just deal with the problem right. that you're faced with and come to, come to um, an agreement that people can at least live with instead yes. of harming, especially the military for well, years and Well, and, and essentially and it becomes MILCONs and IOUs yeah. and... And it is going to be passed eventually. So what it really does, unfortunately, is make just more work down on the ground and more paperwork. And So what and did you have of, to do with it then? Well, so on some levels, we were okay because of counterterrorism monies on some level. But where it affected a lot was in maintenance of the big services. So like of the United States Navy on the cycle, some of the ships that had to go into routine maintenance, mm -hmm. and a lot of those were done by contractors. Um, delays. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the sequestration money, because the military is built on a cycle of ready for war, maintenance, rest, recovery, and, and the complex that supports that, um, you know, some of them civilian contractors uh, wouldn't get paid. And so there were work delays, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, but I mean, everybody managed. But I mean, that goes down to weapon systems it, as well. I well, mean, it, that hurt, goes... it hurt personnel. It well, hurt yeah. readiness. It hurt. It hurt training. Was right. You know, as I got into the tail end mm -hmm. there, as it was finally. Well, you said it right because out. if a ship gets delayed in maintenance or even people in training, yeah. it does affect readiness if it goes on too yes. long. And it seemed like it always got to the very last thing. And so what it did is it kind of made your military do a couple of hail marys year after year and hey we're we're beyond that now so that's good but yeah it's, it it was an interesting time um to see that and uh, and i guess those are some of the games that you've seen played uh, up at, uh, at the uh, national level so we talked about the nda and um we also uh you had talked about um oh so i'm having a build back better build the, back because i don't want to say build you don't want better yeah i don't know what, well, so what they're just be called. they're wanting to recreate some of back to the future so to speak 
Well, it's just, as I said, it's more spending. It'll be uh, tax increases. Uh, it's just, it's just, um, you know, the, the, as I said, they're, they're not dealing with Republicans at all because they're trying to get the 50 Democrats to mm-hmm. agree to it and go through reconciliation. The option to be able to use that will expire September 30th. Okay. So, um, we'll, we'll see if they are able to cobble together something that they can get all of their members to vote for. I think, uh, when you're looking at that much spending, uh, $500 billion spending again, um, how do we do that? You know, we talked about Ukraine and the amount of money that that's going there. Um, I I just I don't know how we can continue to do that. The effect it's going to have on inflation, the effect it's going to have on families. Um, it's like talking about free college because mm-hmm. you get a your college loan forgiven. Uh, it's it's not free. Somebody's paying for it, and then after you graduate, you're going to be paying for it. Right. You know, so it's it's not free. Um, it's that has that has to be acknowledged and be honest with the American people. The president said with Ukraine, um, Americans are going to have to sacrifice. And I said, you know, I've got I've got Nebraskans who are sacrificing right now. Mm-hmm. We've 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 got to be uh, we've got to be sure on these things. And um, yeah, there's there's a lot going on there's there's a lot going on i don't know how much will be passed or, yeah. or not we'll probably have to do like a an omnibus at at the end of the year which those things are pretty horrific at times economy wise what is being discussed I, you know at least to the american people the economy and rising inflation is it's a scary thing especially if it just gets out of control. And I think some Americans can't remember back to the biggest, you know, the Carter administration probably be the closest example. Um, what is being discussed up there and uh, not beyond the seriousness, but literally leadership to help get us out of mm-hmm. this kind of downturn? You know, at this point in time, uh, the focus is on the elections, and that's from uh, Democrats and Republicans. They know how important these elections are that are coming up. Uh, to be able to to have uh, a system that works again, it's it's difficult in a fifty-fifty Senate mm-hmm. for both sides. It's it's difficult, um, but but the main thing is to be able to um, to to have the connections with the other side and say, hey, you know, let's let's try and and work on things. There's a lot there's a lot of bills that that we're able to work on together and to get passed. Yeah. You know, I've got that cattle bill, mm-hmm. which a lot of people, you know, uh I read comments sometimes on Facebook and uh you know, they'll they'll say, "Oh, you know, why is she always focused on that?" Well, I'm focused on it because livestock has the biggest economic impact on the state of Nebraska. Mhm. billion. That is the largest impact on the state of Nebraska, economic impact. That's why that's so important. And and I've got 10 Democrats, 10 Republicans. We've got it out of the Ag Committee on a voice vote uh, with only two recorded no's where I never would have believed we could have gotten that done. And now it's on the floor. You know, it got great support with uh, Republicans and with Democrats and Democrats like John Tester and Ron Wyden, you know, Ron Wyden's from Oregon, very, very liberal guy, mm-hmm. but he he understands the impact this has on his state as well. Yeah. 
So uh, there's still things we we work on together, and you can still get some big things like that done. Yeah, I suspect it's just kind of the state of the nation that we lose touch of some of the uh, actual good work and good victories that are being done just because, you know, myself included, we tend to run with, with stories that, um, you know, we're all struggling with, and it's good to hear that there's sanity still going on in Washington and, and small wins. Um, I suspect recent Supreme Court decisions in Washington really probably fall kind of partisan lines, so to speak. Even though the Supreme Court is the law of the land, um, it seems that they have been politicized even with the leak way back before on the Roe v. Wade. And uh, do you think that this is just, I mean, it's been, it's done, um, that, you know, we'll all settle down as Americans, or is this something that's going to continue to kind of be a thorn in the side as we try to uh, move forward? I, I think the reporting on, uh, for example, the Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. I think the reporting uh, was not really uh, completely honest okay. on it. You know, it's it's like there will be no more abortions because of the court's action. Yeah, that's not true. That folks. is not true. <laughs> I've said that a thousand that times. That is not it's ridiculous. true. It, it goes back to the state. It goes back to the people of the state, to their elected representatives to be able to look at that. For example, Nebraska, when I was in the legislature, 2010, we passed the Pain Capable Act, and it put a 20-week um, limit on abortion. We had, we had Democrats and Republicans vote for it. We had, we had pro-choice Democrats, pro-choice Republicans, pro-life Democrats, pro-life Republicans that voted for it. Only five state senators didn't vote for it. And that, and that showed common sense. That was common sense at the time. And, and to have this um, hue and cry, even from European countries saying, oh, how horrible that the United States Supreme Court would do this. Most of the countries in <laughs> Europe have stricter abortion yes. laws. They're 15 weeks or less. You know, no, no, to, that, and it, to listen to the Europeans lecture us on our, our right. government, our three branches of government, um, is so ironic because, because, for example, Nebraska, it, it is, you can have an abortion at 20 weeks, where if you're in, if you're in Norway, it's 15, or mm-hmm. Germany, or France. And so I, I think people need to, um, understand that and understand that now they will have input uh at the state level you don't want to you don't want a court to um to be making laws and even Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that the the Supreme Court should not have uh, uh, ever made the decision right. on Roe v Wade right you know that it's not in the constitution they shouldn't make it uh, so there's there's been a number of decisions that came out from the court mm-hmm. with the uh, with the EPA, for yes. example. You know that is that is a really big one, and I think we'll see in the future some cases there that will affect other agencies. Well, bureaucrats and agencies shouldn't be determining the law, right? You know what happened to the legislative branch, the the branch that where the people directly elect us. So that's another big one. Uh, obviously, the gun bill mm-hmm. that we that we had in the Senate that that um, did see some Republicans uh, supported. I did not. I felt uh, it was an infringement mm-hmm. on our Second Amendment rights. I felt uh, it did not protect due process. Um, I wanted more of a focus on the um, mental 
illness right. there. We saw this again in the horrific acts mm-hmm. over the last few days. I, I wanted to see that where people, you know, we need people to step forward. You need to identify these, these, um, killers, uh, at an earlier stage. So, you know, there's a lot coming down from the court lately that, um, people are focused upon. And I think they, they really need to, to look at, um, what what we can do as a legislature that's going to have an effect right right you're not going to take every assault weapon mm-hmm. it's we need to really be able to identify we need more reporting you know this kid on fourth of july the police had contact with him yeah yeah, well, it's like I always say, folks, see something, say something. As a culture, we've moved away from, um, you know, if, if somebody else's kid is in your yard, you know, acting silly, um, just say something. You know, you were the adults. We, we, we're people. You've got to say something. And that can change the course of history. And oftentimes when it comes to mass shootings, there's tons of science. There's mental illness. Um, and frankly, we do have systems in place, if identified, that can get people help. Um, if you report to yeah, them. If you if report, you report, to, report them, to them. Right. So yeah. again, um, this whole thing of I see a fight, but I'm going to get my phone out and just film it. That is not the right reaction of a peace loving society. You know, we need to intercede and, and say something to somebody if you're you know fearful for yourself. Uh, we have people that can handle those situations. Uh, bringing it back home a little bit, I'd be remiss not to ask you about a little bit as we move forward in the state of Nebraska in the conservative movement about um, as we head to the NEGOP uh, state conference, uh, convention, excuse me, um, thoughts about conservatives kind of getting underneath the big tent. I'm a true believer in big tents. You know, I, I think it is so important that we gather as many uh, people as we can under this big tent in order to elect conservatives in the state of Nebraska and the city of Lincoln. Uh, I'm a Republican. Uh, everyone knows that. I'm a conservative. Uh, and we, we have an opportunity, I think, in this election. You look at President Biden's uh, favorabilities are in the 30s now. And we have uh, an opportunity to be able to make some changes to be able to promote what what we all believe uh, in the values we hold, uh, so yeah, I think I think um, we need to come together and we need to understand what our goal is as a party. Yeah. And, I, and our goal is to come together. It is to elect Republicans, and um, we'll we'll be able to do that. Yeah. yeah, and I, you, it'll 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 um, come together. You know, families fight. They do. It'll come together and um, be able to do this. You know, I I look back at the the election we had with um, President Trump and and President Biden, or or President Trump when he ran the first time and Hillary Clinton. Uh, it was clear to me that I was voting Republican, right? Because of the policies, because of the values, mm-hmm. because of the 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 future that I want for this country. Yes. yes. We we talked a little bit off air, but it was a great comment, so I'm going to put you on the spot. You talked about nationally everybody's going, oh, the red wave's coming. But you said we've still got to work for it. And I, I share that sentiment. I don't trust anything. And and if you if you want to earn it and you believe in it, then you've got to work for it. And 
you know, what do you say to conservatives who, you know, just kind of think, oh, it's going to happen, you know? No, I mean, what can they do to help make sure it happens? Got to work for it. You know, on on all of my elections, um, I I work like I'm 20 points behind. And that's why I win by 20 points. Mm-hmm. You know, I I work every day for the people of Nebraska. You know, I've been out traveling the state here and, and having meetings with Nebraskans. And I meet with them in Washington and and uh you have to you have to be out there you have to listen to people and understand where they, where they're coming from and what they're telling you and you have to be able to honestly respond to them on on what you can do what you will do and what you're unable to do i like it i mean uh folks and and, and the democrats that listen to the show you you know my ideal situation would be that Everybody on the Democrat side runs great campaigns, everybody on the Republican side, and then everybody goes out and votes. And yes. then we've had a we've had a perfect uh constitutional republic election. I've I want informed voters. Right. You know, I want I want informed voters and I want everybody to be informed and everybody to get out and vote. Um that is a responsibility we have. You know, it, it, to be able to vote, to be able to express yourself and elect a representative who, whether you voted for them or not, they are your representative. So you you need to be uh, informed and and you need, it'd be nice if you'd get out there and work for campaigns. Um, but for heaven's sakes, you be sure and get out and vote. No doubt about it. Get out and vote. Be informed and engage your elected officials. Uh, remember, folks, they're just people like you and I. And um, believe it or not, a lot of them respond to the feedback they get and uh, help this this great country move forward. Senator Fisher, thank you so much for your time. Good to see you, Jess. Appreciate it. Fourteen hundred ninety nine three KLIN. You're getting the four one one from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. <laughs> All right. Uh, we just finished up with uh, Senator Deb Fisher. I do apologize to some of you. We had a long-ranging interview. Haven't had her on the show for a while. And I know you had some questions. Um, and also, some of you who called in to uh, offer your thanks and to her and for all she does. And uh, and I enjoyed the interview. It's been a long time since we've been able to talk with someone that is not only elected official here in the state of Nebraska up in Washington, but uh, someone as active as Senator Fisher on a lot of the issues. So hope you enjoyed it. And like I said, I do apologize for some of the questions that I couldn't get to. But uh, it was refreshing, at least for me. I hope it was refreshing for you. Um, Big weekend for conservatives here in the state of Nebraska. Any GOP convention uh, Friday, Saturday in Kearney. Um, had the honor last night, I'll have to talk about it, of interviewing Johnny Cadillac on his own podcast last night. That was a lot of fun. Johnny, I did have fun. Did you, did it go well? Yeah, I'd say so. I, uh, I mean, granted, it's a wrestling talk podcast, so of course I always enjoy talking about wrestling, but, um, I thought you coming in and being the interviewer spot in my podcast would be good for me, good for the show, a little change of pace, and, uh, it met my expectations so all right well K today tomorrow friday jack and friends request line friday morning drive more music and i mas musica does that go along with i caleb henry i think it does <laughs> well it, 
Thanks for listening, KLIN. I'm Tom Lincoln, and we will see you tomorrow, Friday, 1499.3 KLIN.